0: Again, Two Punks on the Pitch podcast, the show where uh, the beautiful game meets alternative music. Um, This is going to be our last little foray before the festive period. So I'm going to have a little break over the the Christmas break. But I thought I wouldn't leave everyone hanging. We'd bring one more guest onto the show before before we hit December 25th. Um, So joining me this week is guitarist and vocalist of punk band, Weather State and Arsenal fan, Harry Hoskins. Harry, how are you doing, my friend?
1: Hey, man, not too bad, thanks. How's it going?
0: Yeah, not too bad, mate, not too bad. Nice. Um, as we've kind of said in arranging this, there's a lot to kind of touch upon on your beloved Arsenal. But we'll... Um, <laughs> we'll
1: yeah, maybe uh, maybe we'll let's talk... not go straight into that before I start ranting. Yeah, but... <laughs> I was going to say,
0: we'll, we'll talk the positives of music first. You guys, obviously, Weatherstate, State, kind of been a bit kind of well obviously bubbling under the surface for for this year but recently announced you've signed to to read records so congrats on that how how did that kind of come about
1: yeah thanks man obviously it's been um been a weird year for everyone you know this year isn't it so obviously it's hard to keep busy and active and stuff but we've um we've had this kind of in the pipeline for a while actually we've been um actually got all finalized and stuff in february so um Mm. whilst we were on tour um with Bellevue Days, uh, we were kind of finalising the kind of like, you know, the contract stuff. So it's finally good to obviously get it out there. But yeah, we've just kind of been um, quietly kind of prepping behind the scenes for the for the next bit now, really. So obviously it was Rude's um, 20th anniversary. So then they wanted to um, do the announcement, kind of tie it up with that. So that was really good to do that, to kind of be introduced to all of those guys there. And um, yeah, it's something we've been working on for a while because obviously our old label, um, failure by design kind of disbanded slash you know kind of it's gone a bit quiet because both of them have gone on to do different things you know they're both absolutely smashing it so um yeah it was good to kind of um take it to the next step i guess so yeah we're just absolutely stoked by it and just can't wait to release some more music you know (laughs) well
0: that's what i was gonna say so what's the the kind of plan because obviously like born and came out last year and was kind of like your Sort of like your baby that you've been working on for since, or I guess kind of like for a couple of years, kind of thing. So, is it going to be another full length, or are you kind of just looking at an EP to start with, or is it kind of ideas still being chucked about at the moment?
1: Yeah, so um, I probably won't be getting too much to get in trouble for this, but um, it's but, <laughs> yeah, we're working on we're working on another full length, and um, it's going to be out next year, and we've got some real cool stuff uh in the pipeline for that in terms of. Uh, who we're working with and stuff like that but again i can't go into too much detail on it but yeah we've had no, to, um, no,
0: that's cool we,
1: we've 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 got a batch of songs written and the, the album's not done by any stretch but um yeah we're making some good strides on it and we it's just going to be a level up and we're just like so excited so if one thing i will say is is that we'll have something um you'll hear something sooner rather than later which is good
0: that's cool. Not
1: not, not this side then, of the uh, not this side of the new year, but uh, you won't have to wait too much longer. So hopefully you'll be able to see what I'm trying to hype up here.
0: <laughs> so it's kicking off 2021 with a with a bang, then.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, not the full length, so don't get not get too excited about that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there might be something early next year, and then uh, yeah, later on in the year that will be. Hopefully, we'll be a uh, we'll have another record to obviously put out and promote and stuff, and hopefully be able to actually go out and start. You know, touring. You know, when um yeah the Shows yeah. start picking up again because that's the other thing you know everyone's kind of just on standby at the moment so yeah man it's just a bit, bit of a weird time we're just kind of just trying to keep as busy as possible behind the scenes you know and then um when the world does open up again then hopefully we can just you know hit the red button and just <laughs> go for it
0: yeah sounds cool and just in terms of like yourself is, is there any kind of music you've been listening to recently that you want to want to shout out
1: well this whole um this whole year has been really weird for me with music. I've been like my I was saying to the rest of the guys in the band, my Spotify, um, uh, end of year um, stats and stuff were just so skewed because I, 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 all of the music I was listening to was just real like comfort music. Like the first couple of months of lockdown, I pretty much listened to nothing but country music, and I'm not really sure how that happened. <laughs> nice, um, <laughs> just loads and loads of pop. I, I'm not ashamed to say I'm a massive pop fan in any way regardless but um this year especially i've been listening to a lot more pop like just i don't know it's as opposed to kind of listening to heavier stuff or you know more punk stuff that you probably expect me to reel off now (laughs) like a list of all these um, big punk bands i'm into and stuff it's mainly just been kind of like i don't know comfort stuff really it's just been yeah pop music and real just kind of like i don't know real kind of like stuff that's just been easy listening i guess um, yeah, yeah,
0: that's fair. But
1: yeah, I, I'm not sure if it's kind of been like a deliberate thing or if it was just kind of like I've naturally just been kind of swaying away from the kind of, the the kind of I don't know, more rock-like punk scene, I guess. But it was more just kind of this year where everything was just kind of a bit screwed. It was just like, I don't know, it's been more just kind of like yeah, <laughs> listening to stuff, which is just very pleasant, you know? Yeah. But I, I, I think there's going to be a massive influx of bands that... Um, of albums that come out next year that, you know, people are just sitting on stuff that's, it's just going to be huge. You know, I think people, you're going to see, you're going to see stuff that people have just been sat on for the entire year. Just, um, obviously just releasing it all in one go. And then I think you're going to have bands doing loads of tours. And then I think, especially in the UK, you're going to see loads of good stuff come out. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Fingers crossed anyway. So, um, but yeah, obviously the main kind of point of getting you on was obviously talk a bit about football and obviously, We'll go into where Arsenal are at the moment in a, in a minute, but mm-hmm. obviously, just in terms of like your kind of connection with Arsenal and and things like that, like so, w- w- have you? Is it something that you've kind of got through like family and stuff? Because obviously, like living on the on the south coast,
1: like yeah, London's
0: y- not too far away. So, well, this where is, did the connection yeah, start? Yeah, I
1: mean, this this is the thing. So, obviously, from where we're based in uh, Weymouth, I mean, the closest a club would probably be uh, I guess Bournemouth in terms of like bigger clubs um but obviously yeah. historically they've obviously been lower league anyway so I guess Southampton was always kind of the kind of option but um how it basically started so <laughs> this will make it up a funny story my dad's actually a Spurs fan um <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but um he's he's quite um he's quite uh not like timid for a football fan but he's he, you know he's not like a kind of Passionate, like you know, born and bred Spurs fan. Like, you know, it's not like it's not like my granddad was a Spurs fan and it's kind of gone down the kind of like bloodline like that. So he's always been quite kind of chilled about it anyway. And it's not really ever been like an issue, which I, you know, I really respect him for rather than kind of, uh, you know, forcing like, you know, I have to support kind of what he did. But how it all started for me is when we were younger, um, we used to have some family friends that live in London that my mum went to a university with, and then we've been in contact with them ever since. And they lived um, just around the corner from the old Highbury, um, and when I was oh, about okay. when I was about four or five years old, we used to we were going up there, you know, regularly a couple of times a year, and you used to be able to hear when Arsenal scored from um, their window. Oh, cool! So you would literally they'd have the window open, they'd be making us breakfast in the morning, you know, we'd all just be kids messing around, etc. And there would just be like a roar, and I'd always just be like, "What the hell is that?" Like that just that is just, yeah, yeah. That just blows my mind. And then we used to um walked past there on game days and stuff and I remember looking through the gates like a little tiny gap in the gates and I could kind of like you couldn't really see anything but like you could hear the atmosphere and it just sounded crazy and I was just like I need to go there one day and unfortunately I never actually did go and watch a game there <laughs> but oh um, no yeah but um we used to, that used that was how it kind of all started and then that comprised with the fact that my um one of my best mates at primary school at the time was a big Arsenal fan his dad was a big Arsenal fan um, he got us tickets to go and watch uh, Arsenal Southampton at, um, at Southampton Stadium. That was yeah. before they went to uh, Saint Mary's. That was at the Dell, yeah, the Dell. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was kind of the, the kind of double team. What got me into it? The fact that my mate at the time was really into it, and he was really into football. Whilst we started watching it together, and you know, hearing the noise from like Highbury and stuff, I was like, wow, this is. I, I need to support this club. So yeah, yeah that was yeah. we're talking that would be 90 maybe like 97 98 type thing so I never actually yeah. um I never actually kind of supported them before the Wenger era so it was, I luckily kind of went into it at quite a good time they weren't the biggest team <laughs> yeah. weren't the biggest team in the country you know you still had man united dominating before and after that um, but yeah it's a much better time to support them than now i guess <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: And I always kind of find it interesting, like, because the sort of crossover with, like, the punk world and the the football world, what do you personally kind of feel is, like, the crossover for you, like, in terms of, like, being someone that's into, like, the alternative music world and being into football?
1: Well, I think there's definitely similarities in terms of the passion and stuff, in terms of the kind of, like... Yeah. I think that's the main thing is that I'm just... Yeah, I guess people... People that are into bands and stuff, and that they're really heavily involved in the scene, you know, kind of wear their heart on their sleeve in that kind of aspect. In terms of talking about bands, they like going to watch bands and stuff. You know, it's all their eyes light up in the same way when you speak about them. It's more than just a. They all say it's more than just like a hobby. It's just like a, you know, it's like a passion. These people say like, you know, cut me, I bleed. Insert football club here, type thing. You know, they. Yeah. It, and people would say the same about bands and stuff. You know, it's changed certain records or you know bands change their life and change the way they think about things and it's just yeah it's more than just like a testament you flick on the tv and you think oh see how how, how my club's doing you know it's something that you follow it's like an integral part of like my kind of social my kind of everything you know i'm always just you know checking on bbc sport twitter just that's the thing in this day and age as well it's just so it's kind of just obsessive even more because you've got kind of all the transfer rumour stuff, all of like the interview stuff, all of the such and such agents said this. And it's just like, it's just like twenty four seven like that interconnectivity with it. So I think there's definitely um, similarities with that and music and, you know, checking out, you know, being hyped about a band's new release and counting down the days for it. It's kind of the same kind of hype of, you know, getting to the end of the transfer window and thinking, bloody hell, is it going to happen? Is it not, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. And just in terms of kind of like the, I guess, because you said you were, you sort of became an Arsenal fan like during the, the Wenger sort of era and stuff and like, yeah. I I think anyone will always remember like the Invincibles year and, and stuff like that and obviously from an outsider perspective, like I've always kind of had like a soft spot for Arsenal and I'll kind of get onto that a bit more in terms of this season in the moment, but like so like obviously I'm a like a Portsmouth fan and something I will always remember. It was the year before we got promoted to the Premier League. <laughs> we played Arsenal in the FA Cup, um, got absolutely annihilated. Like <laughs> I think it was like five one, but like and it was a year where like Henri was just on fire. Yeah, and it got to the point where like because like me and my dad went to the game as well. Like the whole of Fratton Park was just applauding him. <laughs> it's just like you can't you can't like. You're watching magic on the pitch, sort of thing. So, like, from a, an Arsenal fan's perspective, did you kind of take that for for granted at the time, or were you just kind of in awe of what you were seeing, be, like during that period? To be
1: honest, he's an absolute god amongst all Arsenal fans. I, w- I, 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 <laughs> yeah. I, I wouldn't say that he was in any way underappreciated. I think I think now you you look you look back and wish you could have a player half of that level, you know. The yeah. thing is, when when you talk about Henri, you talk about someone that's got flair, someone that can pick up the ball from the halfway line, take on everyone and then score a screamer. We're not just talking about, you know, I, I love Bamiyang to bits and obviously this season is a different conversation completely, but ignoring that, he's just a solid goal scorer. But he's not the kind of person that takes a game by the scrap of the neck. If you're losing 2-0 and you need someone to bring you back in it, Bamiyang's someone that, generally speaking, As I said, ignoring this season, (laughs) Um, (laughs) finishes pretty much every chance he's given. And he's just a great, great goal scorer, good good positioning, good um, football brain, stuff like that. In the same way that they would say, like Lineker was, you know, he'd always just be right place, right time, and just finish it. Whereas Omri was, he's a different level to that. He could do that, but also take on an entire team and um, motivate a team. His assist records were amazing as well. You know, you don't really see that from like a striker like a Bamiyang and then even yeah, yeah even in the era before when we kind of had uh, Giroud and obviously even like Van Persie he was obviously fantastic for years and he, he would um you know he would step up and score goals and vital points of vital games and stuff but I don't think any of them I just mentioned are uh, close to the level that Omri was I, I, th- I think he was you know that he was the number one player in the world, I would argue during during that mm. at that time. You know, if not top three. Yeah. You know, and um, yeah, I I don't think we'll ever come close to getting someone like that again, unless <laughs> yeah. it's um unless it's just pure fortune. Because I mean, even when we bought Omri, he was young. Obviously, just just before the um, I think it was just before the France World Cup. Because I know that he yeah he, he won the World Cup in ninety eight, and then he. In 2000, he won the Euros as well. And I think we signed him just because that was the thing. He didn't really feature in '98 that much, did he? No, well, it well, he was kind of like a fringe player at the time. He was, um, yeah, he was a winger. Um, and then Arsene Wenger was the one that was said to obviously convert him into kind of being like an out and out striker and kind of believing in his abilities a bit more. Uh, because before he was just kind of like a promising young French winger, you know, that was because it seemed to be like everyone knew he was. Had skills and stuff, but I don't think people realise the extent of how special we're talking here. But um, yeah, it's great, and I'd love to—I'd love to see him come back to the club in some way, not in—not um, necessarily management, because I know that didn't go uh, the best for him. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I—I I think he's just such a fundamental part of the club, and you know, he—he he was just—he's my footballing idol. If you ask me, the number one—the um, number one Arsenal player of all time, I would definitely say him. And funny you should say yeah. about. Um, Portsmouth actually because that leads me on to my first ever Arsenal shirt with a player on the back was um Carnu I had uh, oh okay I had, I had Carnu 25 on the back of uh, my shirt and when I was uh, when I used to play for a football team we're talking you know kids in primary school when you play for your un- yeah, under yeah. or whatever I used to do his um his gun celebration where he slides on one knee and does the <laughs> yeah. and does the little gun thing that would be my <laughs> go-to so he was kind of um He was kind of like a secondary... I I know he he was nowhere near the tier that Omri is, but as a kid, he was always like a player that I absolutely loved. And yeah, I had him on the back of of my shirt.
0: (laughs) Brilliant. And then just in terms of like, kind of in a way similar to United, but not so much... Well, I I don't know. You might take it that way. But like with like, like Fergie at United, obviously they haven't kind of really replaced him as such in terms of management. Yeah. And I think Arsenal have kind of suffered the same thing since fenger has gone. Like, yeah. there was, like, Arteta was kind of, like, deemed, like, the great hope, but obviously things have hit a bit of a road bump at the moment. Yeah. So, I don't know, what's your view kind of post-Wenger? Like, was he kind of gone too early? Did he... Should he have had one more season? Uh, Do you think it was the right
1: time? Well, the thing is, I think they're kind of two different positions because when you talk about Fergie leaving, you talk about them winning the league the year before and then after that with Moyes, obviously they went from first to seventh or however, whatever they finished in the league, yeah. I think it was. Um, with Wenger, as much as so I absolutely love the guy and they obviously all say, you don't know what you got till it's gone, which to an extent is true. We're suffering a lot more now than we were even in his kind of latter years. I think there were some fundamental issues with Wenger's latter years and I think if anything he stayed on too long. I think unfortunately okay. I think and and not I was never a passionate Wenger out or anything like that because I've got so much respect for the guy's you know, he's you know, my number one manager of all time. I, I couldn't sit sit and tell you that he's better than Fergie because obviously his achievements are just ridiculous. But in terms yeah. of my personal nostalgia and everything like that, I don't think you'll ever be able to beat Arsenal Wenger. Um, but in the last couple of years, like, we were just consistently making the same mistakes, not signing players when we clearly needed to. The year that Leicester won the league, we, st- we could have we won it that year. I think we come second that year. It was 2015-16, I think it was. Yeah. Um, we only signed Petr Cech on a free from Chelsea and it was so ridiculous. If we'd have gone out and bought a striker and a couple marquee names, we could have easily won the league that year. And that would have been the best chance we've had for another 10 years or something like that. So I, I think with Wenger, he, he was Wenger. And, and obviously, I'm not saying it was his fault completely. I think it was the kind of structure we had at the club at the time, like Gizitis. Um There was lots of issues that kind of, we we weren't spending much in transfer windows. We were just getting left behind. Other clubs were clearly improving, and we were kind of standing still because we were just about scraping to top four. And the shareholders were thinking, "Well, that'll do." You know, they don't have the ambition that the fans have. I don't think in that respect. So, um, yeah, it's a tough one. I, I'd have liked to see Wenger go out on better terms. I'd have if he'd have won the league and then you know, left the club in a good state and handed it over to the successor. Yeah. I would much rather have appreciated that Was, I think Wenger loved the club so much and he loved his job and couldn't imagine himself life without being an Arsenal manager. I think he would have just gone on and on and on until until he was fired and eventually his position became untenable and he got, you know, shown the door or whatever it was or at the end of the season. It wasn't like a fired on the spot, was it? It was I think they announced it like kind of in February or something like that. And then he yeah, finished yeah. off the season but um, yeah I mean leading on to after that then you got Emery who obviously came in did great for like 20 games and stuff and we were like oh maybe this guy you know this maybe we should have got rid of Wenger sooner Then there was the Europa League final loss I don't know and then he was making some pretty questionable decisions I remember each week he was playing like Lucas Torreira in like a centre attack and midfield position and I just thought not quite sure about this. And <laughs> yeah. I just didn't like how we were playing. We were supposed to be playing with more attacking and flair and stuff, and I was more than happy that Emery um, left to the end because he didn't have any, you know, nostalgia or credit in the bank as far as yeah, us fans were concerned. And then Arteta, he come in, and um, I guess leading on to kind of the state we're at now, he was obviously great at first I mean not so good in the league and stuff but we were just considering that we. I like his approach I like the way he was handling things the non-negotiables that he always talks about about you know without having the right attitude and stuff getting rid of players he doesn't think of you, people like Gwendouzi and stuff um, I mean Ozil was a different conversation That's, that we could have talked talk for an hour on that alone but um, <laughs> yeah um, yeah, I like the attitude and the way that he set us up and we actually managed to beat bigger teams. Like, beating last season, we beat Liverpool, beat uh, City, we beat Chelsea in the FA Cup final, beat Liverpool. Uh, yeah, once in the league, we beat Liverpool. Granted, that was after they won the league, so you could argue that they kind of down tools by that point. But, um, yeah, I, those type of results, you wouldn't see us against them. Um, like Wenger in his latter years we would never get any we would never beat City and Chelsea like within yeah. two weeks of each other so I was thinking great we've got a team with you know proper, a bit of grit about us going head to head with those bigger teams I'm not saying we're as good but at least we can got the right attitude and the the managers like drummed in the right messages to them and you know everyone's willing to play for the badge but God knows what's happened now mate
0: mm. <laughs> yeah. well so th- moving on nicely because like so as i said having a bit of a soft spot for arsenal like every year i always kind of look at them and i'm kind of like oh no they've got quite a decent side like they may not be necessarily challenging for the title but they'll be there or thereabouts and then the beginning of this season like watch the community shield match against liverpool liverpool and like yeah and i obviously people can give or take that game like as whether it be competitive or friendly but like I thought Arsenal looked quite decent in that. And yeah. having William in the middle of the pitch and things like that, it kind of looked like Arteta had set this team up to be a decent side. Yeah. But obviously we're now months into the season and things are just kind of falling apart a little bit. And there's people who are on Twitter and whatever saying that Arsenal are in a relegation fight. So I don't know. Do you agree with, one, agree with that statement? And two, where do you kind of think things are going wrong?
1: Well, it's like you said about the the community shield match. I mean, everyone can say, obviously, you know, no one kind of brags about it. It's like a major honor and stuff. But let's be real here. They played. They started Van Dyke and Salah, etc. We're not. It's not like Liverpool fielded some B team. Like yeah. this. This was Arsenal versus Liverpool at Wembley with your strongest 11s playing. You know. So I. I it's, you're right to kind of. Take that as the as the credit you know that it deserves. Obviously, I'm not saying it's a proper trophy, etc. A lot of people would you know laugh at Community Shield, etc. Blah blah blah. I get all that, but you got to win it. And um, I think it's it's you know it's an extra thing you kind of can add to the add to the achievements and say you know two trophies in six months or whatever. So you know that's one thing. So yeah, I, I agree that you know we started off well. And I thought after the FA Cup run and stuff, then obviously that was setting us up. You know, good to go in the for the next season. And um, my kind of ambitions with Arsenal it's you know, I wouldn't say it's like I'm like a deluded fan in the sense that I'm not expecting us to be challenging for the title. I'm well aware that that's a couple of years away, even if you make all the right decisions. Um, but like you said, you want to start being competitive. I was expecting us to be hovering around top four maybe fifth or sixth you know come down to the last yeah. few weeks and then potentially miss out on top four finish fifth but show signs of progression that's the type of kind of thing I'd be looking at um obviously like you said that completely hasn't happened um I have no idea what's happened in terms of how we're playing and stuff I wouldn't be able <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't be able to tell you I mean that's the million dollar question A, a Bamiyang there's been too much reliance on his goals and I have no idea what's happened to him um it's just so so baffling. I was saying to um to my friends the other day, it's like, like in um Space Jam when all of the basketball players get their um abilities sucked out of them. <laughs> that's what, <laughs> that, that's what I feel has happened to Abamyang since he signed the contract. I just it, I it's just unexplainable. I have no yeah, I, I can't tell you why. You know, this is a guy that's been banging in twenty plus goals for the last what five or six seasons. He's about as, as safe bet as you can get to. Yeah. To guarantee you goals, you know, even if he's like I said, going back to what my point earlier, even if he's not the best player on the pitch, he'll still likely score a goal or you know more games than he than he doesn't type of thing. So I that's the what the main thing, and I think we've had over reliance on um on his goals. I'd rather obviously it was spread throughout the team. I think there's been a couple of things. So going back to your relegation point, um, look, I don't think we're in a relegation battle. Let's be real here, like um we're clearly it's it's funny for the memes and stuff i get that because we actually obviously are like (laughs) close and i would be doing the same of man united with 15th so like i fully get that that's fair enough we gotta just take the hit on that one but um we're, we're not gonna get relegated like i have no worry about that my my worry is the fact that we're actually building on something going forward and we're actually you know going in the right direction um Mm. And like I said, this season, there's no expectations from me to, you know, Champions League or bust type thing. Um, so if this is about damage control now, if we start, if, if, if we can go on a couple, going to run of winning a few games, you know, get to January, uh, sign a midfielder, get Thomas Party back, who I think has been a fundamental part of our team go, or will be going forward, which is why it's such a shame that he's been out injured. Which is just pure, mm. pure unlucky at that point because he's. I think I read that he's only been out for six weeks, in the whole time he was at, at Atletico, or his whole career up to that point, and now he's missed over six weeks um, at Arsenal already, and he's only been here since August or something. So, I mean, that's you can't do anything about that. That's just really unlucky on our on our part. But yeah, I think it's quite clear that we needed that creative attacking midfielder we were really we were in for that um awesome hour from leon and that kind of failed on the last pretty much on a deadline day of him staying at leon and now we've got a massive gap because you don't have ozil there you got i couldn't really name you a, a center attacking midfielder that plays for arsenal like you obviously got people like danny sabayos um emil smith uh, Rowe. you got joe willock but the last two I mentioned, they're both like, you know, 18, 19 years old or whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So, you, you got everyone else, you got Man United playing with like Bruno Fernandes and stuff, and we're there thinking, oh, well, we can bring on one of the youngsters. It's like, well, <laughs> yeah. that's just outrageous that we're in that position. I'd, like, you look at teams that are like, traditionally, like a much smaller Premier League team, and they've got better midfield than us, and it's like, come on, man, like, I'm not expect I'm not shouting because we're not winning the league and kicking off and being ungrateful about it but we should at least have like a you know top 4 standard team I, and I I don't think yeah, I don't yeah. think that's unreasonable to expect that from Arsenal Football Club personally but I think we're going to have to get to January and then um yeah then try and make some signings I guess but then the financials with Covid and stuff is just a nightmare so
0: Yeah um, and before we move on I always sort of ask like if there's a player, like, past or present that you think kind of embodies, like, the punk ethos for your club. So is there anywhere, anyone at Arsenal that you
1: think fits that mould? Well, this one was easy. First, I was thinking, um, if, if we're going to talk traditional, I would have probably said Freddie Lindbergh because he used to be... Um,
0: oh, of course, He used, yeah, he used yeah. to obviously
1: have, like, a pink-red, like, mohawk, didn't he? He used to be... What's saying that. He's not exactly punk. He was a bit of a... He was, like, a pretty boy. I'm pretty sure he's, like, a Calvin Klein model. <laughs> yeah, he was, wasn't he, yeah? <laughs> Uh, so yeah, maybe that's not that appropriate. But yeah, he used to kind of I used to always find it funny. I like, have got an image in my head of him wearing the kind of gold Sega shirt from back in the day with like a red, like bleached Mohawk yeah, like in yeah. the cup finals and stuff. But yeah, this this one was an absolute easy one. Um it's gotta be Kieran Tierney. Kieran Tierney. He's okay. absolutely he's absolutely no nonsense. I'm not sure how much you um follow any of the like kind of Arsenal socials or anything like that, but it always makes me laugh when they post training picks and everyone's there in full on, um, you know, five layers with the training top with their like kind of like training jackets on and stuff like that. And Kieran Tierney's just absolutely hard as nails, he's this, um, obviously he's, <laughs> he's Scottish, you know, obviously from um Celtic, and yeah, he's always there in just like short shorts with his shirt tucked in, just a t shirt, nothing else. And then like all the players surrounding him have got their kind of like snuds pulled up over their nose and stuff like that <laughs> and um, yeah he's just one he's hard as nails two he always gets stuck in I absolutely love his attitude he's just he's since our loss against Burnley Aubameyang players like that I haven't heard a word from him uh, the two players that have come out and actually spoke about it has been um, Kieran Tierney and Gabriel Gabriel's a new signing yeah. who's been fantastic um, and Kieran Tierney who's quite clearly a leader you know, I love Aubameyang to bits, but like, let's be real. He got given the captain's armband to try and keep, you know, to, just
0: to sweep to try in and sweeten yeah, the yeah. deal to
1: keep him to stay. You know, which, you know, it worked out at the time. That was what we needed to do. He was just fantastic, and I think he will be going forward still. But Kieran Tierney, I'm telling you now, he's a future Arsenal captain. He's a leader. He's he's just got the right attitude. I just love how he's just no nonsense. He just puts in ten out of ten every game. Uh, you know, he'll have bad games and stuff. It'll be the first one to come out and just be like, that was bang out of order. It was unacceptable. And we're not talking just like um, PR kind of blurbs that a manager's kind of written for him. We're talking like a yeah. guy actually passionately speaking like to a cameraman like from the heart and you can just tell. And I just, yeah, I love what he stands for and his attitude towards stuff. And I think Arsenal, over the years, we've been, and I'm not saying football's just about being like a, tough guy and stuff like that, because you got players like Ozil and his prime that are just like beautiful to watch, and you need those players as well, Yeah. but um, I think there needs to be a right mix, and I think Arsenal would benefit by having more players of the ilk of Kieran Tierney, for sure.
0: Yeah, well, despite the fact that Arsenal aren't doing too well in the league, they're still, obviously, piling on in Europe, and obviously we've had the, the draws for both the Champions League next round and the and Europa League, so... Yeah. Okay, we'll stick with Arsenal for the time being. Benfica, quite a tough tie, yeah. but I don't know. Do you think that, that they
1: can progress further? Yeah, well, I, I, to be honest, Europa has been a completely different kettle of fish this year, isn't it? We've, we, we've yeah, been yeah. Every, for the last five weeks of my life, it's been watching Arsenal get pummeled on a Sunday. And then Thursday being like, oh, that was quite nice. we just comfortably won 3-0. <laughs> and uh, yeah. then it gives you a little bit of hope and a bit of enthusiasm. And you think, right, can they take this momentum into the weekend? And then Sunday happens again. And then you just got the disappointment. So it's kind of been the cycle I've been on. But, um, yeah, I mean, let's be real. Our group was easy. You know, all, all respect to the other teams and stuff. But you'd be expecting to win all those games. But saying that, we're the, we were the only team that won all six of our games. You'd look at Spurs' this group and stuff, and you'd expect them to win all games, but people slip up in Europa. It happens, and we, we didn't slip up once, so you've got to give them credit for that. Um, but yeah, now we're talking business, and Europa this year is just scary, the teams that are left in it, if you ask me.
0: I was going to say, there's some big teams still in
1: there. I, I was watching, obviously, the Champions League and stuff, and the teams dropping down and stuff, and at one point, Real Madrid looked like they were going to drop down Obviously, United or PSG, it was going to be one of the two, pretty much dropping down. And I'm there thinking, Jesus Christ! You've already got Spurs who are just absolutely flying this year. Um, Leicester doing great again this year. You got, have we got like AC Milan. Are they st- are they in it? Uh, yeah, yeah, they're still in there. Yeah, yeah, there's uh, Sociedad. Obviously, who United have got. To be honest, I think they've got a, a worse draw than we have. They're top of their league, top of La Liga, Sociedad. Yeah. So, um. Yeah, there's some big teams still in that. I mean, the the year that we nearly won it, the first time I think we got knocked out by Atletico in the semis and then the year after we lost the final to Chelsea in that horrific game and then the year after that, which is last year, we got knocked out by Olympiacos, I think, in the last 16 maybe, maybe 32, I can't remember. Um, But the road to the final was so much easier then and I remember the year that United won it as well. They're, They're... Like I'm not just saying that, but they had their quarterfinals, semis, and finals was all pretty. They had a pretty cushy run. I'm looking at the last 32 here, thinking Jesus, Arsenal are probably about seventh or eighth in the list of teams of this. Maybe I'd say.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say so. Like just looking at the fixtures, Ajax as well. I didn't. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say like that's the that's the one that really stands out to me is Ajax lille That's the that's the big Mm. fixture that stands out to me from the Europa League. I think out of the English clubs, I think Leicester have got the easiest draw. To be honest, against yeah, um, yeah. S- Svala Prague, which well, that... is like it's still not an easy tie, but it's it's doable for how well Leicester are doing in Europe as well. Yeah,
1: they should they they should breeze past that one. I'd expect um, Spurs to. So Wolfsburg, is is that Wolfsburg? Was that a diff? Is that a different th- club or I think it's
0: a different I think it's a different club yeah, cause I,
1: just, I, think I think I think um, I
0: Oh yeah no this yeah the Austrian team
1: so. Okay yeah of course obviously gem yeah um so that's they I mean they, that should be fairly simple for them then I, if if it was Wolfsburg I think maybe potentially a little bit harder but Spurs would <laughs> yeah Spurs would you'd expect to smash either of them to be honest um so yeah I I think we've got a pretty tough game I wouldn't say it's the worst we could get but it's it's not exactly like we've been rewarded uh, nicely for winning all six games, you know. It's no. I'd say that's pretty tough considering we should have got like a, a generous round of 32 as a result of winning or you know, win coming top of our group comfortably. But Benfica is pretty tough. Um, I, rec- I reckon we'll do it though. Last, I'm, I don't know, it's obviously a different situation than last year. It depends what the momentum stuff, is and how the mood is in the club, etc., etc., by this point. But I think this is in, um in February I think it is so we got quite a lot of time I
0: think yeah it's like last week of Jan I think it is
1: I mean we'll either, we'll either have had some wins by that point or Arteta would be out <laughs> so <laughs> like yeah it's going to be one of the two um, so yeah I, I think we'll be alright every time I look at Europa draws like last year and year before and stuff like that and we play teams like Napoli I'm always pleasantly surprised we go there and turn them over so I think I, I, don't, I think, don't think Benfica will be easy but Hopefully we'll win that. But if I'm honest with you, the second we draw one of the big English clubs or Ajax, etc., it's going to just, you know, we're going to have to need some serious luck to get through it. There's no way we're winning Europa. I'd, I'd love it. But previous years, I thought we'd be first or second favourite to win, you know, whereas this year I, yeah. I'm looking at it thinking I wouldn't bet on us winning that. No chance.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, Sticking kind of with Europe, obviously, perennial winners of the Europa League aren't in it this year. They they've carried on in in the Champions League in Sevilla, yeah. Sevilla, Sevilla. Sevilla I mean. yeah. Can't even say the word. <laughs> um, but again, like some big ties in that. I mean, the Champions League is always going to bring up some some big matches. But I think like in terms of the English teams, it's not too bad. Like Liverpool against Leipzig, like. That's doable. I think the worst
1: is is um Chelsea Atletico. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, I, mean, I agree. To be honest, Atletico seem a different different team this season. They're doing really good in La Liga.
0: But, Especially with Suarez as well.
1: Yeah, 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 and they've obviously well one thing with they've obviously got Torreira. I mean, they don't have Party who's obviously was a big um big part of their squad, because obviously we took Party, but Torreira seems, that there's been some reports that they're going to cut his loan short in January. I'm not sure how true that is, just Twitter, you know. Oh, really? Yeah, um, but apparently Simeone's not, not particularly happy with him. Apparently, he, the last eight games, apparently, he's only been on the bench. hasn't been able to, I think he's got like 10 minutes, like sub appearances here and there and stuff. But I don't think he's set the world alight there. But um, yeah, it's hard to tell this year because I'm not sure if it's the fact that other teams in La Liga have got better. Or if the quality of La Liga has just gone down, because obviously Barca are doing terrible at the moment, aren't they, in terms of their club in yeah. turmoil. Real Madrid are in a bit of a kind of transition sticky period, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's, it's hard to tell whether the reason like Sociedad, for example, were top, are they really good? Or is the kind of quality just a bit lower? Because I think that's the complete opposite of the Prem this year. I think one of the main reasons why we're struggling, as well as for all of our short pools, anyway, um, the quality in the prem this year is just it's it's rocketed up, isn't it?
0: Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, just I was saying this to to my dad the other day. Like, the fact that Tottenham are at the top, like, it just shows the quality that of a manager that Mourinho actually is, yeah. and like the way that he's got them playing. But then, like, you look at even like Leeds and stuff like that they're like playing really good
1: football this year. Yeah, yeah. And it's just But you see that about yeah. so many teams. You Southampton, they've been amazing. Um all yeah. there's loads of these teams that you wouldn't expect to be up there. 5 years ago you look at you look at the who your team are playing on the weekend. You open BBC Sport, you check who you got and you think, "Oh, sweet, we'll probably win that." And 9 times out of 10 you would if it's just one of the smaller teams and obviously you get the games there'll be hiccups and stuff like that you'd be gutted but now every time we play a game I'm looking at who we're playing against thinking jesus are, they, oh, <laughs> are Arsenal better than them right now I'm looking at Southampton at, I'm looking at Southampton uh, tomorrow um which is at the Emirates and I'm thinking I don't like are we favorites to win that like surely we like on paper you'd expect but I don't I don't think I could make a case for that now and I think that's. It's because all these smaller teams have just anything can happen in the prem this year. You saw Villa beat, absolutely smash Liverpool. They smashed. Yeah, they, yeah. they smashed us three nil at the Emirates, and then the next week they went and lost to was it Brighton or something like that. They yeah. They were like four 0 down, and they, they ended up losing four three. I think it was because it, it was too late to um bring it back. Or so, I can't remember who it was, but yeah, it just shows you. You know, you can you can smash the league winners one week and then next week you'll lose to West Brom or whatever it is. And it's just like, it's just such an entertaining league for that reason. But it's bad for um, teams such as Arsenal that are going for a transition stage. (laughs) We we need all the help we can get. And turns out everyone else is smashing it and we're doing shit. So it's pretty much the worst possible combination. But um, yeah, I think going back to the Champions League draw, I think, I think Liverpool should beat Leipzig. I think, they're a decent team. Obviously, they got turned over five nil by United at um, Old Trafford, but I think that was more a tactical mismatch, really. I think um, yeah, I, I think their um, manager, the young guy, he he's, he plays very attacking football, and I think he was just determined to keep at it, but he didn't realise how good United are on the break with you know Rashford et cetera with the pace of him and Greenwood and all that. So um, I think really they probably should have managed that game a bit better but they just went you know they stuck to their um stuck to their thing and then they ended up getting absolutely battered but then they beat them the other in the the other way around in the fixture when they went back yeah, to Germany so, one, yeah. Um, yeah I reckon they'll give Liverpool a good game but I reckon I reckon Liverpool win that over two legs yeah
0: I think like going back to what you were saying about like the the changing quality of La Liga or just like the kind of weird sort of flux they've got in power struggle at the moment in teams there like as you mentioned like Atletico Chelsea is a is one that stands out but that Real Madrid fixture uh, like Atalanta hadn't had the greatest season this year either No, but the way the Madrid are playing at the moment it wouldn't surprise me if they get through Madrid to be honest
1: yeah I mean well Atalanta obviously they were um were they they were in the group of Liverpool this year, weren't they? Didn't Liverpool just sm- yeah smash yeah. them five nil or something, didn't they? I pretty think they sort of scored that. It was quite a yeah a comfortably won. But yeah, last year they were obviously fantastic. I know they've got a couple of players that are um <laughs> good on FIFA, but I can't <laughs> yeah. I can't sit and tell you that I follow them or whatever. But I know they've been doing real solid in Europe recently. And like you said, when you have got a team that are historically amazing like Madrid, if they're going for a bit of a rough patch at the moment, same as Barca. There can be upsets there, can't there? If you've got, you got, yeah. you got a young team playing on form, there's no absolutely no reason why there couldn't be an upset there. So, um, yeah, I, I, I could see that happening. I think the, Barca, mm. the Barca-PSG tie is a really interesting one. You could see PSG going yeah. through that. Dortmund-Seville, obviously Dortmund not having the best time at the moment, but not doing terribly. I think Seville are just masters of the Europa, aren't they? They've obviously, um, yeah, yeah, because Unai Unai Emery won the U- Europa I think three times with Seville, um, and that was kind of how he staked his claim as being like a top tier manager. You know how he got the PSG job. Um, yeah, but yeah, I reckon that will be a tough game. You know, flip a coin, who's going to win that one? Type of thing. But yeah, most definitely, I think ba- Bayern should steamroll Lazio. Uh, City should easily beat much and club back, and then yeah Chelsea Atletico uh that would be a tough one um, you know yeah I could see Chelsea going through, but I could also see Atletico going through I think Chelsea yeah Ch- definitely. Chelsea in that like in the kind of early days of that new squad they're building and stuff, so there's you know- I think Chelsea in a year's time could be potentially like unstoppable, but right now they're like they haven't quite clicked, but the players are so good they're probably gonna do fine anyway, you know,
0: yeah, yeah. And just because obviously we're talking about Europe and obviously this, well, happened on Monday, a a manager that obviously had success in Europe sadly passed away. We seem to be having quite a lot of footballers sadly passed away recently. We've had Maradona, we had Papa Jop and now sadly Gerard Houllier, which obviously massive successes at Liverpool, had his time at Villa as well, like here in the UK, but obviously brought success to to Leon as well yeah and I think like so like when I was younger he was obviously like synonymous with Liverpool yeah and like almost like to an iconic point like him bringing in like players like Gerrard and and Carragher and kind of almost giving like Liverpool back their spine which I thought was quite like an interesting thing for a foreigner to do and like at that period of time like apart from Wenger he was like the only like really like successful notable foreign manager in the premier league as well which i thought was was quite a well yeah cuz
1: i mean at, at the time like you said obviously the whole kind of the whole kind of foreign manager type thing was kind of a bit more rare like you said and i think obviously they always say that when wenger came to the game in in the prem he obviously kind of changed how teams uh, you know, thought about stuff, there was a lot more kind of sports science and stuff he kind of brought over because Wenger, was it Wenger? I think he was at Monaco before and he um yes yeah. he, he came obviously from the French League and that was kind of across Europe, a lot of the teams in the 90s and stuff were kind of getting more into that and, you know, this was kind of moving away from the kind of 1980s culture of the players having a fag at the end of the game to like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to really kind of making football kind of like an art form and stuff. So I fully get that Yeah, I I completely agree. Julia was was the prime example of that. And it was kind of, you know, him and Wenger, obviously, mates. And I read a quote earlier on Twitter that was saying that he he still speaks, you know, they spoke to each other up until his last moments type thing. Like, regularly, they're, you know, kept in contact as friends and stuff. Yeah. But like you said, I I always associated Gerard Julio with, like you said, the Liverpool team in 2000, 2001, where he won the... um, well the treble but obviously it was kind of you know not the he didn't win the prem it, he won the
0: yeah it was the F- FA Cup League Cup, League Cup and you U- 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 at the time it
1: was yeah yeah and obviously the FA Cup final that was when they won against um that was when they won against Arsenal They beat us 2-1 yeah and that was um when we were obviously flying at that point as well you know doing great um so yeah I kind of associate him like you said with kind of Owen, obviously he was coming through in the '98 World Cup. It was a kind of a little bit before Julia, but he, you know, he was smashing it under him. Um, like you said, the Carragers and Gerrards, etc., kind of bringing bringing those type of players through and kind of bringing an identity to them. And I think that's something yeah. that they kind of lost a bit after that. You know, when we talk about Liverpool from the kind of like 2005 six, obviously they won the won the Champions League and stuff, but. They, I think, they kind of lost lost that kind of appeal to the, like the way they were playing and the kind of characteristics. You know, you always associate certain styles of play with clubs. You always say like,
0: yeah, yeah,
1: Arsenal are more that kind of like European, like free flowing, like passing football. You'd say rather than like a pragmatic approach of like a Jose Mourinho that manages games. And, you know, Julio kind of kind of gave that European feel to Liverpool, I think, and kind of brought successes with them and stuff and. You know, it's really sad to see. Sad to see. Or again, sim- similar with Maradona, both going very young. You know, I, Yeah. I, I think Julio was uh, 70, 73, I
0: think. Seventy three, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah,
1: man. I, I, I've read a lot of places that apparently he did have some quite a lot of health issues. You know, over the last couple of decades, I don't think it was kind of like a. I, I'm, I, well,
0: because I remember even when he was at um, Villa, he, there was a period of time where he was away in hospital for like a heart condition yeah, or something see, like that. See, so yeah, it's, it's been something that's been recurring
1: kind of thing. Yeah, no, see that, I mean, that, I think that kind of era when he went, when he was at Villa, I think that, I, I kind of went off football for like about five years or so, not like, mm. sort of like deliberately, but I kind of, didn't I think it was when I first started getting into music and stuff and we were in secondary school yeah, yeah. and I, I think when when I was kinda of going through the phase of just playing guitar all the time and you know, it was like kind of thirteen onwards, that kind of whole like two thousand and six to like two thousand and ten era, I kind of it's kind of lost on me a bit. I kind of missed the whole like fabricas era really. That kind of thing. Yeah. Like I, I I was kind of I would still stick on matches if we were playing, you know, if we were playing like in a cup final or something, i I would check but you know, now I religiously watch every game and did beforehand and follow it, whereas during that time, it would kind of be more casual approach, you know. I, I wouldn't be able to tell you how we were doing in the league type thing. I'd just have a check every <laughs> yeah. every, every few weeks and see where we're at. But um, yeah, I kind of I kind of missed his kind of Villa appearances and stuff, so I, I guess I didn't really see the health issues as much then. But yeah, it's sad that he, he was obviously struggling for, for quite a while. Yeah. But I, I think he'll, he'll leave a legacy for a long time, I think. I think you've seen that with the outpour of you know people on Twitter and stuff of of Jamie Carragher and stuff. Did, not to, mm. not to sour this, but did you see um, Alan Sugar's tweet about it? I thought that was no, I didn't. Absolutely ridiculous. He he tweeted. He started the tweet saying it was um, rest in peace, you know, good fellow, and then he says, "Let me guess, Pierce Morgan's probably going to do a." three-hour episode about how he was best mates with him now to try and get clicks oh, or something like hell. that. And it was just the most untasteful thing I think I've ever seen. Um, J- Jamie Carragher responded to him saying, delete this tweet, you fucking idiot. <laughs> and I was <laughs> like, yes. I was like, absolutely. I was like, that, that just summarises that guy. In terms, of, in terms of class, Alan Sugar, I think is... I don't think I've ever met anyone that reads the room so poorly... As, as he yeah. does. Uh, some of the, so for someone with that much of a following, he he's like the he's like the embarrassing old uncle that just shoves his foot in it, <laughs> and he's just got these really questionable opinions and stances on things, and it's just like, oh god, if if that's what you're thinking, don't type a tweet out and send it to the world, you know? Yeah, yeah. He's he's a yeah, it, you know the, the difference in class of a man between someone like Alan Sugar and. Uh, Gerard Julio himself, you know, to, the difference in levels of their characters and how much respect I have for them is just <laughs> night and day, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: no, definitely. And I, I think, like, something that maybe gets a little overshadowed because, obviously, Julio will always be kind of uh, equated with, like, bringing up the the younger players in, in Liverpool like your Gerrards and new Carragher, mm-hmm. and, to an extent, Michael Owen... But like some of the signing, like, OK, they like, I don't know if Liverpool fans look back on fondly, but I'm just looking at like some of the the players he bought in. So like that first year, two net na- well, three names actually stand out particularly because they were like rock solid. Mm-hmm. It's like Sammy Hupia, Dima Harmon and Stefan Honsho. Yeah, they were like the rock of that team. But then, like later on, like in the career, obviously, like Emil Heskey, like people say what you want about Emil Heskey. I fucking loved him, and like he was great. He He was great.
1: The thing is with Heskey, people used to laugh because of the way, in the same way, Lukaku gets given shit with he's his first touch isn't great and stuff like that, and you're not going to see him do the stuff that Omri does where he puts it through someone's legs and then scores a screamer, but. There's not many players you'd rather have in the box, and we're not just talking like a. Oh, definitely, We're, we're yeah. not just talking like a header merchant either. We're talking in terms of the actual strength and positioning. The exact same reason why Lukaku is just perfect for Inter, and he's an absolutely deadly striker. He's actually he gets given a lot of shit when he played for United and stuff. It's funny to be like, oh, you know, Lukaku's Lukaku's um terrible first touch. Like, you know, he's useless. Blah blah blah. Like, he's not United standards and stuff. But like. Rarely is is when he's got his back to a defender, and then he just turns and just rockets it and stuff. There's not many players in the world that are actually better at doing that. If you build your team around that strategy, it's not the most exciting, but similar to Heskey, exact same. He would he just get himself in the right positions, and he's just you know got a heck of a shot on him as well. So he would just score so many yeah. goals.
0: But then to... Olito- on the flip side to his detriment in some aspects, I mean, I thought he was a good player, but What's I know Liverpool fans didn't and Boston <laughs> fans definitely didn't, but obviously he bought El Haji Juf to, to the Premier League as well. So, <laughs> which I didn't realise, he bought him for £10 million. Which
1: ten, That's quite significant so that, at the at the time. Yeah, I
0: didn't realise it was so expensive.
1: But £10, ten mil. What, what year was that? Like 2000?
0: 2000,
1: 2002. 2002. Yeah. So that's a lot of money. So put, I mean, yeah, I mean, at the time, that's, that's, pretty big bucks isn't it <laughs> yeah yeah
0: exactly 10, ten mil now uh, yeah. you,
1: 10 mil now just gets you a squad player or something like that you know from a, <laughs> from a lower lower standard team or whatever or some guy from yeah. like, you know the French League or something like that but 10 mil back then get you a lot yeah I, and the, like oh sorry go on no no I was going to say I just think that yeah he, I, I think he deserves a lot of um a lot of respect for, for what he's done for Liverpool you know and that I think fans will forever kind of love him for that respect of kind of just given a change of culture, even if it like long-term, he didn't, he, he didn't transform them into like a title winning squad, which everyone probably wanted at the time. But um, I think they'll look back very fondly on his reign. You know, I think it was a, a strong few years that he was there.
0: Mm. And even like up until his passing, he was still very much involved in football. Like, he was a big part obviously we mentioned Le- Leipzig he was a big um part of the the Red Bull football establishment so he had like handlings in Salzburg in Leipzig in uh the New York team as well i didn't actually and know then, i didn't like, i didn't know that yeah yeah and but like what i think more significant like literally until a few months ago, I think he only took the role up in like September. He became technical director of Leon's women's team, okay. who are kind of like deemed like the Real Madrid of the women's game. Oh, so, really? Yeah. So he's obviously had a had some ha- helping in in that in the in the latter stages of his life as well. So, well, yeah, yeah very sad to see.
1: I think you know that's that's great that obviously he was doing that. I think obviously, I guess, at someone for his age with the, achieved so much i think you can kind of obviously just choose more jobs that you're kind of like passionate about as rather than necessarily yeah. like a kind of stature thing or a pay thing it can straight up just be like well I, you know i believe in this or I, that i think i would love to be a part of this and i think once you get to that point in your career you, you don't have to answer to anyone do you? you can just pretty much do what you want in the same way we say about with um with wengo obviously I'd love for him to be on the Arsenal board or something like that, but he's quite heavily involved in FIFA now, isn't he? So,
0: Yes, yeah. I think,
1: um, yeah, once you get to that point, I think it's, it's good because pe- people like that can't just not be involved in football. Uh, you, you're not going to see him as a pundit at that age, you know, like a regular Sky Sports pundit, are you? But I, I think director of football or something, like involved in the kind of like structure side of the game, like, I think that's just a perfect job for someone in that kind of age with that kind of knowledge, you know? Okay, yeah, I, definitely. I mean, I didn't lack respect to him or to anybody. Somebody was asking me in the press conference, Do you think it's a good chance for him to show? And I said, Yes. Or well, you want me to say, No? I think uh, John is living in the past at the moment. If the fans chant their names, I mean, I'm pleased. But uh, you should look at the figures. How long has he played? How many goals? We score when he was playing. The only answer I can say is just shut up. It's easy to call the press and say we should have dealt with that internally. I mean, I didn't say, I mean, some of you were at the press conference, you could say that. I didn't like respect to him. But in doing that, he's like... So
0: respect. for one final time for 2020, we're going to be doing what my favourite thing of this show is, the whole reason I created the show. We're bringing punks onto the pitch with a musicians eleven, um, so I'm looking for. Harry's already warned me that this is going to be quite interesting, so I'm looking forward to this. Um, but have you got a formation, my friend?
1: Yeah, I do. So I've gone for, a, like a four, two, one, three. So you've kind of got you okay. got four at the back. You kind of got two center mids. Then you got a cam in front, and then you got a left and right wing, and then you got an out and out striker.
0: Okay. Cool. Like four, right. Four, so
1: four, two, one, three. Yeah.
0: Cool. So we always start between the sticks. So who have you got in goal?
1: <laughs> um, I've gone for uh, Dexter Holland, uh, singer of Offspring. <laughs> <laughs> okay. yeah. So my, my my reason for this is that um I wanted to put I wanted to put him in somewhere. It was either him or Noodles. Um, and <laughs> obviously them being a little bit more senior in terms of age. I thought um, as a goalkeeper, you can get away with that a bit more. You know, you don't need the fresh legs as much. You just need someone that's kind of been around the block, got the knowledge, you know? So um, I'd, I'd, I <laughs> I'd, reckon him in goal, he'd, he'd be a well-rounded from a kind of a football brain perspective, I guess. I'll, yeah, I'll, no, that's... Can't put him on the wing. He wouldn't have any legs in him. I was going to say, he's not going to
0: be one that's going to be running around, commanding the area as much. I can imagine him being a, sort of demanding more of his centre backs than most. Yeah, I,
1: I, that's what I mean. I'm thinking that he'd be there. He'd have a bit of an attitude about him. He's got kind of like the age on his side, so he's got the knowledge. Uh, so, yeah, I was I kind of tr- that. This one was quite a hard one in terms of the criteria because the others I was thinking, like, right, are they like a creative type or are they like a fast paced type or are they like a. More like stern, tough guy type, you know, type position. Or, but with a keeper, it's kind of hard to <laughs> choose what you're yeah. going to go for. But yeah, that's, no, that's, 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 that's I'm standing by it. De- Dexter Holland offspring.
0: Cool. Right. Who's what's your back for then?
1: Okay, so we'll start with um centre backs, just because you will kind of get what I'm going for here based on my first one. But my first okay. one, um, Andy Williams slash Butcher from every time i die Mate, he's he's appearing so many times uh, It's brilliant <laughs> i love it well so my argument for this is one obviously big wrestling fan so good to get him in there big every time i die fan yeah. so any excuse but hard no nonsense center back imagine running at him it would just be absolutely terrifying you know
0: yeah definitely and like we've said like every time he's brought up like you said if if you're going to run at him, he's just going to close line you.
1: Yeah? So yeah, precisely. I, w- I want him to be intimidating. I want him to be someone that's like rock solid. You're just not getting past. He's got a good, good bit of height as well. Good, um, you know, good set pieces, defending, good corners. Probably just good for just hoofing it away. Sometimes just cl- yeah. clearing your lines, you know.
0: Cool. Who's who's next? to Andy. Then.
1: So this one's a bit more of a shock, but it's kind of a similar ilk. I've kind of gone for like the kind of like player mass as opposed to kind of like um, (laughs) speed or technical (laughs) ability. But um, Fat Mike from No Effects. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) That was that was kind of a bit of a stranger one, but I think the similar thing. They'd both be two guys that are just kind of no nonsense. He would be a bit uh, dirtier as well. I think in terms of you know um leaving one on players and stuff. I think Andy would be a bit more um a bit more kind of tough guy, but uh, you know, maybe play a bit more fair. I think
0: I was gonna say I'll have a bit more finesse to it. Yeah, a
1: little bit more, I reckon. I reckon Fat Mike would be the kind of thing that you would be going past him and like if if they've got a nippy striker that just kind of knocks it past him, he'll just take the ankles out and you know, just
0: I was going to say, fan, fan Molly's getting the red cards all the yeah, time. Yeah, really. yeah.
1: Well, that's what I mean. He's he just taking one for the team in that respect, I think. Which, um, But, you know, I do kind of have doubts. I, I think he'd have a bit too much of an attitude to the point he'd leave you with 10 men. But, yeah, that was my kind of thought process behind it. You need so- someone that's not afraid <laughs> just to to leave it on him.
0: <laughs> cool. Who have you got uh, wing-backs then?
1: Okay, so these two are just gone. So you you got the age with them, which isn't... Um, ideal but my argument is that they're just kind of like wind-up dolls in the sense of they've just been going for years and years and years and years just coffee coffee driven just been going for like 50 years or whatever so yeah so so right back i've got um uh, milo from the descendants right my my argument for that is is that you're not going to get much flair about him he's got he's got a heck of a brain about him so he's very calculated um he'll just be Caffe- caffeinated <laughs> to the highest degree <laughs> constantly. Um, and I think he would just be good for just running up and down the, the, the wings, you know, clearing his lines, stuff like that. You're not going to see too much technical ability there, but you're going to have, I think he would read the game well and you'd um, have a lot of energy to him, even though he's an old boy, just because of just, yeah, injecting himself with coffee, basically. <laughs> yeah. So he's he, he's my right back. Um, and left back, I've gone for Mike Dent of Green Days. Our boy. Oh, okay, cool. So, um, basically, for a similar reason that um, these are guys that have just been going around the block, you know, touring for like forty years plus, just you know, nonstop. I, I feel like they've got a, neither of those two. You're talking about attitude or divas or anything like that. I think you get you get they'd put one hundred percent in every game and they'd be like, you know, just doing the basics and just just you know running running the kilometers, putting a shift in, really. So um, yeah, yeah. Mike Dern and Milo from The Descendants would be my wing backs purely just cool. just for the um. In terms of how much stamina they'd have, I think. Yeah, so who's your your two midfielders in front of them then? So yeah, these are the two holding ones. So my argument for this is that I kind of saw these as like the kind of um, the again the breaking up play, slash kind of like steady kind of players. I, I, I'm thinking like players like Herrera and stuff for United. You know how they were just yeah. just like a proper proper shit house, just <laughs> yeah. just kind of in in players' ears, winding them up. You know, trying to get them to snap. Like if you have got Diego Costa on the other team or something like that, you'd want to wind him up. You know, just just kind of keep prodding them throughout the game till they eventually yeah. they eventually turn around and just push you over because they're just they've had enough. Um, so first, I've gone for uh, Justin Giva, which is the anti-flag singer. So right yeah, yeah the reason for that is that he's very obviously very opinionated and very political and stuff and he's not he w- he won't be shy about it and stuff so i think that he'd be i, th- I think he'd be a, have a bit more morals about his play as opposed to like fat mike but i think fun- fundamentally <laughs> yeah. he'd be a wind-up merchant and he would kind of be insufferable to be playing against because i think <laughs> yeah <laughs> i could just see him just being very you know all of their they're they're very obviously political and um they're very passionate about what they do and it's very like yeah it's full on heart on the sleeve type of thing you know they'd take a take a bullet for the team so i think he would be good yeah. he'd be good to have there you, you don't need as much creativity in them, in those centre mid kind of positions so yeah i'd kind of I reckon i'd reckon he'd be good for that and he'd be yeah he'd just kind of do his job and just give 10 out of 10 every game yeah, um, he's alongside him then. Alongside him, I'd say, so this is the same kind of thing in the same way we're just talking about kind of just passion and kind of no-nonsense. I think you'd have a bit more struggle with the kind of maybe attitude, deeper fits. This could potentially be a little bit more the Guendouzi type of player that's kind of, you know, when they're playing well would be good to have in the squad, but otherwise could be a bit of a handful sometimes. But um, Bert McCracken from The Used... Oh nice. I like that. <laughs> so I mean, I just love the use, so I was trying to find an excuse to get him in there somewhere. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think he would be um you he'd be very passionate again, you know, heart on his sleeve type player. But I d I don't think he'd be as much of a shit house as um as Justin from Anti Flag. I think <laughs> yeah. I think he'd be a bit more of just kind of a, a steady Eddie, just you playing for the playing for the badge, just playing the ball forward, doing his job, staying sticking to position and he'd be kinda of, Quite precise about his play, I think.
0: He'll be your uh, your Michael Essien kind yeah, of. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. No, no <laughs> frills, but just kind of like yeah, just someone solid. You, you think kind of like a a cante that just turns up, yeah, yeah, turns up more games than he doesn't, and he's just very solid. Like he'll he'll never set the world alight, but he'll just play for, play for the for the shirt. You know, I think he'd be good there.
0: I was trying to think. Did it, they must have done it? Did Andy Flag and use they must have toured at some point surely? Yeah, they
1: must have done. I've I've um, I've seen both, but no, that's a lie. Actually, I haven't seen the Used. They must have done like, give it a name tour or something like that. You yeah, know, so I was gonna say, so they'll have that chemistry
0: of like, yeah, that's being
1: together. Well, sort it's, of a, thing as it's well. a similar kind of era, isn't it? That kind of like, both around in early two thousands, but kind of like, got big. I'd guess you'd say um yeah in the kind of like mid 2000s and onwards type thing yeah i guess it's that kind of like emo kerrang era from like 2004 to onwards you know yeah which leads me nicely to my uh uh center attacking mid actually so should like go go for for that one so this one i'm going i'm thinking of a meta ozil ilk right so you're not yeah so you're going for pure genius like a mental genius in terms of their output, but very difficult to control. No, <laughs> no strength about him whatsoever. No tracking back, absolutely no tracking back. Just pure, just 10 out of 10 going forward, vision, uh, forward passing can spot stuff that other players wouldn't be able to because they're naturally just gifted. Uh, Pete Wentz, a Fallout Boy. <laughs> oh, okay. So, my argument for that is like I just said, is that. He's obviously like lyrically and stuff. I think he's absolutely fantastic, and I, you know, I'm a mass- yeah. I'm a massive fan of early Fall Out Boy. Don't get me started on post hiatus Fall Out Boy. <laughs> but um, I, but Pete Went is kind of, he was always the one kind of driving that band forward. Well, in the yeah, in the, the lyrical sense, obvious, obviously, like in terms of vocals he was just kind of you know lower key he did his back in vocals which were terrible and stuff but his lyrical his lyrical output i think was is like second to none if it, it, it well in terms of that emo kind of era in the genre is, is what i would argue I, I i think yeah i think you compare that to like panic at the disco or something like that of that era and i think the lyrical phrases and stuff i think are just significantly better from pete wentz i, I think he's nowhere near the singer that brendan Urie is or anything like that but um yeah, in the same way, I think you get just that kind of genius kind of output that I, I think for his kind of scene and his time, I think Pete Wentz is just yeah, he, he's he's an absolute kind of god in that sense. So yeah, I could see him as a football player. My argument would be that he would be the one that would be hard to control, Um and anything that he it doesn't specialize in, he would be shit at. But the things that he, <laughs> but the things that he does specialize at. I think he would be fantastic. Like he, the guy can barely play bass. Let's be real. Like he's, <laughs> but I, I'd say he's more of a poet than a than a musician in terms of the way he kind of crafts the vision of that band. Um,
0: yeah, definitely. I, I
1: think that yeah, that's the where I was getting at in the terms of being a creative attacking midfielder. That he's that kind of. He's the he's the artist player as the, as opposed. Oh,
0: definitely. He's he's the visionary. He's the the one that's pulling all the strings. Yeah, you, but as you say, he's, not, he's he's not putting in the hard nah, work.
1: He's not the engine, is he? He's not going to be tracking back and making in tackles. And if he gets subbed, he'll kick off as well. It'll be a it'll be a nightmare to, for a manager. But yeah, um, yeah, he's my cam.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I like it. I like it. Um, right, who have you got as your attacking wingers then?
1: Okay, so this I was going for kind of a, a bit more. I, I'm, I was thinking, right, as a winger, you've got to have a bit of flair about you. You've got to be very technical in terms of your skills, your stepovers, and being able to deliver, deliver you know, crosses into the box and stuff. You don't necessarily need to be the, um, the kind of focal point of the team. You just need to have those kind of qualities about you. So uh, first, I'll start off on the right. Um, apologies if I say the name wrong, but Ian DeSar from Billy Talent. The guitarist. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Guy with the crazy hair that as an absolute shredder. Um, I absolutely love Billy Talent, always have. Um, they were one of the bands I got really into in that kind of early 2000s era, which is weird because they're not really like a punk band or anything like that. But I think that kind of early 2000s when I was started watching music videos, you know, Kerrang! music videos and stuff, I remember hearing Billy yeah. Talent thinking, holy shit, this stuff's amazing. And um, he's obviously just a solo guitarist. There's only one guitarist in that band. And, it just blows my mind what he plays. Like the combination, he's like a rhythm guitarist and a lead guitarist, but in one. And I just, I, (laughs) I watch what he's doing and like everything he plays is just so melodic and it just is pulled together completely by his guitar playing. And I just think he is just such a tier above like (laughs) myself or anyone I I can, I can think (laughs) of as a guitarist, you know, fundamentally we're just all about kind of chord bashing and writing songs and stuff. But this guy, like, uh, the, the the guitar lines he writes I just think are like I'd say he's like a proper artist of like real real technical stuff like we're not talking just like learn the chords and play along you, you can't really play along to a Billy Talent song very well like it's the intricacies between each part and stuff I think is really really tight and yeah I think someone like that I think he's got the technical ability to be taking on players he's got the brain to be spotting the passes when to lay it off to the striker and um, Again, he wouldn't wouldn't have that much kind of strength about him. Maybe not necessarily do as too much tracking back, but he, again, he'd be a bit more of an artist, I guess, than a kind of like powerhouse. But yeah, I think yeah, his technical ability. I think you need that as a as a winger with your stepovers and beating the last man. You know,
0: <laughs> yeah. Who've <laughs> you got on the other side then?
1: Um, so a similar thing. So not as that. This is a this is a bit more. You could probably swap this next one out for Pete Wentz in terms of what um my kind of uh, music tastes are and stuff like that but um Anthony Ranieri from Bayside so okay yeah yeah, yeah. I'm a massive fan I'm a massive Bayside fan always have been I, I think he's one of my favourite songwriters ever um, and again his guitar lines can be quite technical and stuff but it's more about his melodies and his song structures and the way he kind of sculptures a song and the way he builds and stuff um, I just think yeah he's, he's very technical there's not many that do it like him really. And I think they've got, a, it's very Marmite Bayside, but um, it, in terms of how technical he is and the kind of passion he has for songwriting and stuff, I, he's definitely up there. So in the same way that I think he's a kind of master at his um, at his art, let's say, I would put him in the same category as a kind of like having to be like a winger like that. Again, he's very yeah yeah very creative in the sense of that band is fundamentally him just writing those songs you could argue that he could, you could swap him for Pete Wentz in that respect, but I think um, as a winger, you need a little bit more strength about you. And I think um, Anthony Ranieri's got a lot less diva-like tendencies than <laughs> yeah. Pete Wentz. Like, I, th- I think Pete Wentz is going back to him. He's the kind of Ozil situation where you need to play to his strengths, and if you don't do that, he'll be useless. But if you play to his strengths, he'll be fantastic. So, I think. Um, yeah, as a winger, I decided to put Anthony Ranieri there because you've got the, you've got the technical aspects of it, and you've got a bit more strength. So I'd say he's got a bit more strength than Ian from Billy Talent, but um, yeah, yeah, it's mainly just about his his technical runs. I'd say.
0: Cool, and so he's going to be banging in the goals for this team.
1: So this one is straight up just the coolest guy in the world, uh, Julian Casablancas from Strokes. So nice. <laughs> okay, that's probably one you wouldn't have thought I'd have put in, but um. I'm I'm massive Strokes fan. You know that obviously they're like an indie garage rock band and stuff. It's quite different. So a lot of these a lot of these artists I've named are quite um, quite eclectic, I guess, in the sense of yeah, it's just yeah. like you know you got like Billy Talent, then like Descendants, and then the Strokes. That's, they're all pretty different, aren't they? And then Offspring and stuff. I guess that's a bit more kind of punk rock with Anti Flag and Nerf X, blah blah blah. But yeah, Julian Casablancas, I think he's just the cool guy. He's just probably like he's probably like the coolest rock star in the world as far as i'm concerned yeah, from, from, yeah. uh you know i should have chose actually second okay so back up to julian Casablancas, who would be julian Casablancas would be the um starting 11 but kind of the the budding um sub would be uh singer of uh dirty Neil, for that ex- oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. for yeah. that exact same reason so they're both the same kind of the type of player i'm looking for so i want someone that's just like an absolutely, you know, ten out of ten cool guy, just like ice running through their veins, you know. Just got. Yeah, yeah. I think I'd went for Julian Casablancas because he's got a bit more of an attitude about him, and he's a bit more of a, bit more of a dick, you know. Sometimes you, <laughs> 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 um, yeah, obviously, mate, for dirty nail is just absolutely lovely guy. So yeah, I think you need someone that <laughs> sometimes in the striker you need that, um, you know, that have that grit about you, just be a bit dirty. Like the, um, going going back to the Atletico thing, like Diego Costa obviously being such a, you know, having that attitude, being a bit dirty, just every t- yeah. every time he gets the ball, he's just got absolutely, you know, he's not nervous in any way. He just, he doesn't give a shit about anyone else because he's cooler than all of them. So, you know, everyone in the crowd, he doesn't give a shit if he gets booed. He's going to, you know, he, he thinks he's the coolest guy in the world. So I think you need that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think
1: sometimes you need that arrogance as a striker, so yeah, I think uh, Julian Casablanca's would be great for that. He'd be, he'd be ice cold, and um, yeah, I think he would just he he would know that he was going to score nine out of one on ones, and you need that.
0: Yeah, perfect. I think that is a very <laughs> very good starting eleven. I like this. It's I love in how much like thought and effort that people are putting into this. Like <laughs> when I first like kind of came up with the idea, I thought people would just kind of. I'll pick a, a few musicians and that'll kind of be it but people are like really thinking about the positions and stuff and like so I'm really appreciating it and it's really cool.
1: Yeah, I was I mean, I was trying to have a think last night about like who was who could slot into where and what kind of a like approach. Like, what what did other people how was their approach to it? Were they kind of looking at it from like a similar way like were they trying to think like have a bit more grit in certain positions or a bit
0: Yeah, so like a lot of people have been going like drummers in goal because like they're good with, like, their arms and stuff. Mm-hmm. As I said, Andy Williams has been a constant in defence for a lot of people. <laughs> um, similar, like, with wingers, they're either going with people who are, like, really energetic on stage or things like that. And things there's every team seems to have, like, a playboy or a poster boy kind of player. So, like, I guess, like, yours is maybe from the Strikes. Yeah, yeah. Um, But, like, we've had, like, Adam Lazaro and things like that. Yeah, so... yeah. It's, I'm really enjoying it. It's really. It's been really cool to see how people are coming up I with guess these it's, teams. It's yeah, been fun. it's
1: kind of like a bit of a subjective one, how you would approach it, I guess. But yeah, I, I mean, like you said about keepers, obviously, and drummers and stuff. I mean, Petr Cech, have you seen his... Um, Have you seen... He's been putting, like, drum videos and stuff online. He's been doing it for a few I years. I haven't, now. but
0: loads of, loads of people have told me to check it out. To, to be I honest, mate, he's,
1: he's really shit. But, um, well, <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe that's giving him a hard time. But he's... um it's like a you know it 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 looks like someone that's like a a school a school drummer that's kind of picked up which to be fair he that is exactly what it is he's obviously just trying to learn an instrument like in his like late 30s or whatever so fair enough but um you'd thought someone that's a multi-millionaire would be getting you know (laughs) multiple like lessons per week (laughs) someone coming to their house and then they'd be shit hot and it to be honest i i you know i'm I'm not putting him down in front of that it's cool as fuck like it's obviously just a passion thing. He, he just posts like videos of him playing along to like um, Nirvana and stuff like that and doing like food yeah. They're all kind of a bit like dad rock cover songs, you know. But um, it's just quite funny watching him there with like his electric drum kit and stuff with his like headset yeah. on and stuff. And he's he, he, he doesn't come across as a natural drummer, put it that way. He's kind of a bit like robotic and stiff. Like he's like, when I uh, okay, when I, yeah, yeah, when I get behind a drum kit, you can just tell that I'm just not. I'm not. My brain isn't geared in that way. So it's <laughs> yeah. a, a similar thing with um, Pet Check, really. But yeah, that would. I should have probably. Yeah, that. I mean, he would have been perfect as a. You know, an example for like a goalkeeper drummer. I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, perfect. But anyway, Harry, thank you very much for for bringing your your starting eleven to the table. Um yeah, no worries, As I mentioned at the top of the show, this will be our last one for for 2020. We'll be back. Uh, for the FA Cup third round is when, when I'm looking to come back. So for now, everyone, thank you very much for, for checking out the show since we started it. It's been really, really great fun. Harry, thank you for being my last guest of the year.
1: Yeah, no worries, mate. Thanks um, for having me.
0: And yeah, this has been fun. For um, As always, people keep in touch with us on social media, at punks with an X on the pitch, because why the hell not? Um, but yeah, we'll see you in 2021.